Hello, welcome back to the Untitled SEO podcast. We we do have a guest today. He I pressed record and he's he's gone to chuck something out the window. Sorry. What was it? Was it a wee beastie or something? No, I just needed to refill my vape. Oh right, okay. Uh, yeah, so this is this is James Kindred. Hello, James. How are you doing? Hello. How are you? I'm all right. Now, the whole purpose of Series 2 of the Untitled SEO podcast is that it's meant to be LAN, uh, Live Action Networking. Now, I know the acronym LAN has already been taken, what, 25 years ago to 30 years ago, but eh. And the whole point of this is that people in tech, we form these little bubbles where we all, we all get to know each other. And I think there's a real there's something really positive can happen when people in tech, especially SEO uh, uh, and the surrounding technologies, make an effort to speak to new people. Now, in this episode, I'm entirely failing to do that because I've, I've known and worked with James for years and years and years and years. But James, you're always a pleasure to speak to. And each time I've spoken to you before on this podcast and previous ones, we're very much focused on a topic rather than focusing about on you. And I think I know you well enough. You're probably not massively interested in talking about you, but I think your journey is something that people will find interesting. Yeah, I, 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 I don't have even own a trumpet to blow. Um, so it's, um, it, and kind of long may it continue, which is kind of weird because I've always been, to a certain extent, self-employed with what I've done. So I should be a kind of a bit of a master at self-promotion and networking, but I prefer to kind of just... I don't know, I was going to say lurk in the shadows, but that just sounds a little bit kind of clandestine and, and under-devious, <laughs> but I prefer to kind of uh, be referral-driven um, and, and meet new people through people liking what I do and telling other people about it. So I kind of try and get my customers to network for me rather than um, do anything myself, which sounds terrifically lazy, um, but it also works. So I, if it ain't broke... It, it works well. I'm, I'm going through a thing with, um, I have a coach and I'm going through a thing at the moment. I'm me and several other people in, in tech are, are doing considered outreach for the first time, you know, going out and, and finding prospects to speak to. Um, it's, it's quite a hard market at the moment in, in tech, especially in SEO, whenever, yeah. whenever people kind of want to stop spending money, the, the, for some reason, marketing is often the first to go, although anyone in marketing would say that's the worst possible time to quit your yeah, marketing. Absolutely. It's kind of, it, 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 it's to anyone in marketing or, or arguably anyone with common sense, you, you want to kind of put your foot down a little bit when things are quiet and actually mm. start proactively, either through outreach or just visibility or, or whatever you're doing is just kind of, you know, make a noise, do something, get out there. Don't kibosh your marketing strategy. Mm. because you're you're just accelerating your your um demise into silence <laughs> well also if, if your competitors are saying less they're leaving a void leaving a vacuum to which yeah, you yeah, can step into it you can rush into but the interesting thing about having to do this and i was speaking to somebody else who i won't mention who's a mutual friend oh she, she wouldn't mind um speaking to sophie sophie said well she's not sophie so anymore um she's got a, what's her name was it companies we are Grumpy. It's not grumpy. Yeah. I shouldn't have mentioned it, should I? That's <laughs> my mind. I shouldn't have mentioned it, then I wouldn't have had to stumble <laughs> across that. But speaking to her, and the interesting is having to, for the first time in 20, 25 years of working for myself and running an agency, having to really think hard about how my agency might be perceived. When you get all your work through referral business, it's not really a problem because the people you've done good work for are doing that, that bit for you. 
which as you say it, it's it might be lazy I'd, I'd call it efficient more than lazy yeah i think it's the the thing is is that you, you do i don't know if it lulls you into a false sense of security but you are only as good as your last job you can't you're kind of leaving yourself open a little bit because you don't have any you know i i work in branding and brand strategy and and kind of brand development i don't really have any of that for myself because i'm too busy doing it for other people so I, you know, I have a logo and I have a way of communicating. It's how I communicate. I don't kind of put a layer on top of it because how I talk and how I present myself is that. I can't, you know, I'm autistic. I can't do uh, performances. performances. <laughs> so it's kind of, you know, I can hide behind another person's logo and talk fantastically about it. If it's talking about me, I'm very straightforward with it. But because I, of how I go out and kind of get further work or go out and get you know, make clients happy or try to make clients happy. It's you're only as good as some, how someone tells you, tells their their friend or their colleague or their business partner or whoever. Oh, go and speak to James at Fork because he you know he did a really good job for me. That strategy can dry up pretty quickly if you're not very good at what you do. It also, if I was being unkind, I'd say it does sort the wheat from the chaff somewhat because I. I you know, SEO is a limited company and employees came in in the last couple of years. So I got 20 years of, of you know, yeah, it was limited, but I was, it was just me mm-hmm. and it had my name on it until and only about two years ago. And I was expecting there to be a, a sort of seismic shift when I changed to being a company. And in a way, it's slightly easier because the company, I, I've developed a personality for the company which is does align with mine because it'd be kind of pointless to do it any other way. And, and it would be a lot of work to try and pretend to be something that, that we weren't, but yeah, yeah, completely. That, that I would... think the the other challenge I found that comes with that, if you go from being you know very small or an individual and you, you scale it and, and it becomes something else or it becomes bigger than it was. It, and we had a similar sort of thing when we ran condiment and we were bringing account managers and junior designers. So just quickly that. condiment was, Condiment was a, a, an agency that, that James ran. Yes, uh, and it was kind of guerrilla marketing and boutique design, and there was two of us, and you know you, anyone could pick up the phone and speak to one of us and get direct to us. And then we had project managers come in and junior designers come in, and everyone was like, "Well, I want, I enjoyed the uh, the original two. Where's can I talk to James?" And it's like, well, "How do you, you know, that's that's the ultimate question: is how do you keep the personality of a." small boutique thing and then try and scale it because i haven't figured that out yet <laughs> I, i've been i've been doing a lot of work on it recently um and it's it, it feels a bit nasal gazy but it, it's also quite helpful because what i'm trying to do is i'm now doing the things i always used to fight against like talking about company culture and having a mission statement and i've always like well that's all corporate crap i'm not doing that you know yeah. we are your your best you know like you can send us into battle like your champion and we will do everything we possibly can for you but that's easy when it was just me now i've got to distill that throughout the agency we are actually we have a mission statement and we talk about where we're going but a lot of it's come down to not not leaning too heavily on those i still think they're kind of cliched although they are useful the mission statement and this is what we're doing yeah what it's come down to for for seo is we have a, a weekly meeting, which is another thing I never thought I'd find myself saying we do. But we we now we we take take turns chairing the meeting, 
So I, I discourage them from talking about me being the boss. I'm starting to sound like um, Ricky Gervais's character in the office here. But I say, look, 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 we're all creatives. We're all here because we want to do cool stuff. Have, having a, a guy at the top who tries to impose his vision on everything doesn't really work anymore. Mm-hmm. Now it has to be, and it pops up in some really interesting ways. We're talking about possibly getting an apprentice at the moment. And, and one of my colleagues said, right, what happens to the apprentice at the end of his apprenticeship? And I was like, why? He says, because I've worked in a lot of agencies, and when someone finishes their apprenticeship, they're, they're generally got rid of. And I'm like, I, I don't have corporate experience. So I was like, why? Why would you do that? If I've invested two years, you know, we've all invested two years in an apprentice. What, the last thing we want to do is to boot them out. They should be like, better at the job than, than us yeah. <laughs> after that time no why would you do that and he, but that was his concern and i never would have guessed that i wouldn't have wouldn't have seen that coming at all but kind no, of, I, had a, I had a really interesting conversation with um i did a uh, another podcast with um a, a marketing guy like very very experienced marketing guy the other day and we were chatting about kind of the crossover between what big brands can learn from small startups kind of you know plucky uh going a thousand miles an hour in every direction kind of startups and what those startups can learn from the big corporates mm. and the, the the common thing that kind of came down was um however simple it is you need it can be a one-line mission statement but it needs to communicate it enough that everyone that joins the company should buy into it in some way shape or form and they don't have to be as massively enthusiastic as the founder because they can't be they 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 weren't there for the inception of the idea but if there's something they feel they can buy into then it's easier for them to come along on it and some people that's impossible to do with if some people are just there for the paycheck but they have their own absolute perfect purpose they don't need to be the brand champions they don't need to be the people that are kind of waving the torch around but those people still have absolute purpose as well. But don't try and kind of evangelize to them because it will just piss them off. I, it's, it's not what they're. That's not what they're there for. It's, it's partly one of the reasons I, I resisted the, the the focus on culture so much because I, I'd read I read I read too many business books and I've, I've sort of been trying to give them up. Um, bad addiction. It's, it's bad addiction because it, it never fully relates to, to your situation. But th- those kind of ones about disseminating your company culture and for one thing, it sounds like brainwashing. If I hire someone, I hire, hire them because they're they're more generally better than I am at, at something, <laughs> most things in, in my case. And I don't want to, to lose their individuality by me trying to enforce something that I think is the best thing to do. Yeah, but, and you can't, you can't, you know, the, the worst thing you can do with someone who's coming in who's, especially if they've got a creative talent or they have their own flair, is to try and micromanage them into something that they're not because then they're just going to sit there and be bored or disenfranchised or completely kind of, well, I thought I was coming into this to offer something, but you're trying to change me into something I'm not. It's like, you know, why hire people based on, how they're coming into the business, not how you think you'll mould them when they're here. That's kind of part of the joy for me is when when people start when people join the team. I mean, this goes for freelancers as well because there's up until having actual employees, which um, wasn't really planned. It just sort of ha- happened as an opportunity. Before that point, even working with freelancers, the more I work with them, the more I kind of go, actually, now you're really good at these bits, and they're the bits you really enjoy. 
Yeah. And I, I love that process. When um, the person who joined me most recently, Bex, I said to her, how do you feel about, about making some phone calls to company? And she's like, that's about the last thing I'd ever want to do. <laughs> okay, well, fair, fair enough. That, that's, yeah, yeah. that's all right. But at the same time, she, she's developing all these, all these other skills and doing all these things. I had no idea existed before she came to work for me. And she'd freelanced for me for a couple of years before, you know, becoming an employee. And I, I, I think that's I'm at a luxurious point of the size of my company that I can just kind of go, right, off you go. I think that is Let, an see what happens. Thing kind of segueing not subtly at all but segueing slightly into the kind of small agency freelancer thing is that it can be very hard to remember to tell everyone what you do <laughs> so i think you know we we have you know there's a couple there's a few mutual clients that we work with and i think there's probably been occasions in the past where it's like oh can you do you guys do that is that a thing you do? It's like, oh, I haven't ever told you that that's a thing. Because um, that's kind of most of what I do in my business. <laughs> I'm I'm specializing over here with you guys, but this is what I tend to do kind of, you know, the day-to-day stuff. And that that gets quite interesting because, it, again, it's, you know, going back to the blowing your own trumpet thing, or I, I don't have a trumpet to blow, but it's going out and telling people exactly what you do. And that can be a really hard thing to try and grasp for a small agency or freelancer to kind of go, I do all these things. Mm. You're just kind of using quite a small resource of what I do. How about all this stuff over here? But it's also trying to kind of, you know, you don't want to offer everyone everything because they might not be necessarily interested in everything that you do, or you might, they might take you on to do absolutely everything, in which case then how are you, specializing for them <laughs> i got a little shiver of fear down my spine when you said that because I, I used to operate that way many years ago and i was like what can you do you can do everything and you get clients who go smart we need someone who can do everything then you find yourself on the phone to the md at half level at night because he can't connect his telephone to his computer or something <laughs> like that <laughs> yeah, so yeah. i've yeah. done that i don't like that but the the, the sort of the perceived the thing that's always Trout, trout, you know, people go in business books go on about is, you know, don't, don't let yourself appear to be a master of everything. You know, Jack of all trades, master of none. So we very much, we are an SEO agency. That's it. We do SEO. Sure. I, I understand things like Google ads. I've, I've passed the exams, which any, any of our mutual friends who do Google ads would probably be terrified to learn, but I don't, I don't want to do that. But at the other side, we do some audio visual stuff that is not mentioned anywhere on our website, but we do it because we enjoy it and it's cool. And if people want, want to get us involved on a creator level, yeah, I'd love to do that. We're looking to buy some new equipment, some new camera equipment soon. But you know, outwardly, we don't tell anyone about that. It's just we are a creative. We're a set of creatives. I'm trying to yeah, think yeah. of something that if there's anything you – don't start listing everything you do, but there, there must be things that, that you do that I don't know you do even though we've worked together for years or well, music um, today you sent me you sent me a track you'd made yeah i, I, I was I, like what where did that come from first time in ages i've actually well I, i've never sat down and recorded and released something of my own i've always done it in a band or as a group of people uh, and and usually live rather than recorded there's a few recordings here and there but nothing too much and then i got Logic Pro a couple of years ago, no, during lockdown, I was fiddling around with that and did a few kind of 
live recordings through that of people coming over and us just noodling around. That was fine. And then I think I got a Focusrite two-channel uh, thing from you. So then, oh, yeah, it was from me, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So that's still awesome. Um, and then I think probably about a year ago, I bought. I was chatting to you about kind of, or it might be longer, I was chatting to you about kind of recording software and, and different doors or digital audio workstations and, and trying and he said, oh, you got to try Ableton. And I, I didn't really get around to it for ages and then downloaded the demo of it and had a little bit of a relearning because it looks very different to Logic. It's kind of flipped with Logic because you get the session view in Ableton first and then you can have the timeline view when you switch over. Other way around in in um well, logic's only just got the session view yeah yeah and and i couldn't really get my head around it and then i tried it in ableton and it just made complete sense so then i started doing stuff and i have two different kind of t- sorts of music i'll listen to depending on what my workflow is is there's either kind of very driven very loud very purposeful stuff or very ethereal floaty stuff if i mm. kind of don't know where i'm going I don't have a direction and there's no momentum to it. I'll listen to music of exactly the same sort. I love that. that. That's such a that's such a, a, a brilliantly logical way of operating. Yeah, it just makes complete sense in my head. Just like, I, soundtrack. Something. I, I just want something that's just kind of go floating around. If there's if I know exactly what I'm doing and I just need to get it done, I'll just listen to some insanely heavy prog metal. Uh, and like 20 minutes later, my piece of work is done enough. I've listened to some amazing songs and it's kind of that, that just makes complete sense in my head is that, you know, and that it can, it can range in styles. It will be sometimes be kind of jazz. That's kind of driving me along or blues. That's kind of fairly ethereal and floaty, but I have a kind of distinct separation in my musical tastes between box A and box B. Never thought of it, but yeah, once I know what I'm doing, metal is always what I listen to. Just like so as soon as it's there, then it that that's just like putting your foot down, kind of listening to good metal. Anyway, my point was to, to try and remember that I'm I'm trying to be a podcast host here, uh, <laughs> which is also something we offer we offer for clients, but don't have anywhere on our website. The to to my point, so with music, so you're a musician. I mean, you, we're not we're probably not doing this on YouTube. I probably should have talked to you about that first. But there's guitars hanging up behind you. There's guitars behind me. Yeah. And if a client came to you and said, "Look, we." We, we're, we're struggling to get get the sound design together for this this part of the project, and you suddenly went, "I know exactly what that needs." Would you would you pipe up, or would you just go, "No, that's not what I do." I, 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 it depends on the day and <laughs> the mood and who the client is. I suppose is kind of you just you know, gave an SEO type SEO professional type answer. <laughs> It's the the lawyer's greatest way of of answering a question. (laughs) You you protect yourself comprehensively if you just say it depends. But I think, yeah, it would would more depend on on the client. And I think if they were, I think if they were a more risk-averse client, I wouldn't kind of just Mm. throw it out there because it might make them kind of go, "Uh, what? Oh, God, Uh, that's, that's a strange offer. I thought you were a graphic designer. Thanks anyway. Yeah, but black metal for a face care cream, why wouldn't you want it? There you go. Um, But I think if there was, you know, other clients I've worked with who are, who enjoy the kind of momentum and the kind of a little bit more, bit of a kind of more, not a throw around attitude, 
So it's the journey, the journey clients. Yeah, they're just enjoying the journey, the the process, and that sort of thing. Then I'd I'd probably put my hand up and say, you know, I can have a try at throwing something together for you. Um, I've got, you know, I I vaguely know what I'm doing with musical instruments, and the the rest of the time I'll just hit a load of buttons in Ableton and like the sound that comes out. (laughs) That's why Ableton's so good. Yeah, it's like more effects racks in. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) why else would I throw this in here for no apparent reason? So. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd, I'd pop my hand up. I've done stuff in the past. I didn't. I'd never done any video editing. How many years ago this was? I can't remember. Probably about five or ten years ago. Never really done any video editing before. Prior to that, even more, we um, we had an opportunity to do some work for the Royal Bank of Scotland, like twenty years ago or something. Wow, how did that come about? I can't remember, but we we it was a friend of a friend, and they were looking for a company who did video editing to take a load of video stuff and put it on a big wall at their new Bishopsgate office. And somehow we got the work. Um, and it was a huge project. We'd never done video editing before. Um, and we bought a all of their video content was on Betamax. Um, <laughs> Showing its age, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, professional Betamax recordings all on there. And this lorry turned up outside and with 300, 400 tape, Betamax tapes. And that was all of their footage. Oh, um, and we just had kind of reference numbers and time codes of what stuff to pull off it. So this is kind of like prior the cloud and having to kind of pull all that down. And and we put it together and we did it. I spent two weeks in France learning how these video walls worked and learning kind of video engineering 101 of how to these kind of different things work together and rear projection and that sort of thing. Um, but we did it. And then a few years later, someone said, oh, can you, do, can you actually edit a video together for me? Um, and it was for... It was a, a stonemason. Um, and I was like, yeah, sure, no worries. Send us all the stuff, much easier. I got, you know, I had like a DVD with a load of files turn up um, and, and downloaded some stock footage and that sort of thing and put it together. But there are occasions where it's like, yeah, I'd quite like to get my brain into that. You know, I know what a timeline is. That's pretty much universal across anything that has to go from A to B and has a number of seconds in between it. I can, I can, I can and there's layers to that. So I can put it, you know, I know Photoshop, I know audio programs. I'll just smush that together and make, <laughs> make video instead. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something I still enjoy. I'm, I'm working on a, a project at the moment, which is um, we, we're, we're recording some conversations with an amazing woman who survived Auschwitz and Belson. Wow. And, and I think if I if I didn't have the ability to, to pick things up as a creative and, and grab hold of those opportunities, that we wouldn't be able to do it. So, yeah, Kids, if you're listening, don't be too linear with your skill set. <laughs> Just if some, I think for me, it's if something interests me. I've got some bloody weird skills, you know. I can run these in massive industrial machines called slitters, and I, I fully understand how the tension in the machine works and and how they <laughs> operate. And I, I I could I probably couldn't get a job doing it, but I am one of a few people, maybe less than a hundred people in the in the country that knows fully how to operate these machines. No and speak- way. Clearly, it's purely because a client of mine makes them, and I was just really interested, and, and I like playing with big machines, and that sort of turned into me filming them and taking photos of them. The only photography I really do these days is these, you know, like industrial machines. But again, that's not on the website because if somebody else said, "Can you come and run our machine?" I'd be like, "Right, give me two or three years of being really interested when I'm in your factory and I'm supposed to be doing something else." Yeah, yeah, catch me at the right time. Yeah. <laughs> 
Catch me, do you think I'm thinking about something else, but I'm actually thinking about how your machine works. It's a good thing to do as a creator anyway, because the, the deeper the understanding you get of some things, the, 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 the more things it inspires in your own mind and the, the more opportunity it gets. So, yeah, I think it's the opportunity to play. Um, yeah, there's a really good quote by, uh, unfortunately, it's by John Cleese. But it, and I can't remember. I'm not. I'm not even going to paraphrase it. But it's very good. It's a, it's about people who aren't create, creative don't have a connection with their child their child self, and you lose creativity as you grow up. And you want to try and keep hold of the creativity because it it, it it's going back to the basics of play. And I think to your point is that when I work with like food and drink clients and that sort of thing, I'll just go, can I come and see how it's made? Yeah. Can I, can I, can I come to the factory and see the process? Don't worry. I'll wear a stupid net on my beard. But <laughs> I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to come and see how this works because I think, you know, the, because branding touches absolutely everything in a business, you have to, to a certain extent, understand every part of the business that happens, even the bits that people don't see, because there might be something in that, process that people don't see that is actually a very integral part of how the brand functions how it communicates what it means what it believes in and that sort of thing and i think you have to see that process to be able to unearth something that someone might not necessarily see at face value or if they don't see that process especially because people in who have been at a company for any length of time especially if they're the founder they they lose objectivity on what's so cool about what they do and anything can be cool I've got a client I've worked with for I don't know, 15 years and they sell these little nozzles and the, this equipment that is for applying hot melt adhesives, like a very specific temperature range. And they're like, why? You know, we can't write anything exciting and cool. And the longer I got to know them, it turns out if you buy their parts, you'll save like 40% a year on your running costs. I'm like, how is wow. that not cool? Yeah. You know, that That's cool. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be really flashy. I've got one client, and I, I apologize if I told you this before because it is a story I like to trot out. <laughs> um, he he His company makes TV series. So like Sky TV will come along. It's Tom, Tom, Tom at Summer Isle Films. I don't know if you know him or not. Yes, uh, yeah. I think I've met Tom. So he, he his company, which he started when he was very young, they, you know, Sky TV say, we want a series on motorsport. And he goes, all right, and he delivers a whole series. So I was talking to him about the sort of things they could put on their blog. And it's like, there's not really anything that all that interesting that, that we do. To be honest, a lot of the work they do is corporate editing, or certainly was at the time. And I'm going to have to look up a name because otherwise this is, a, this is going to fall on its, on its behind. Right, so the whole time I was talking to him in his office, he said I learned to edit from, actually. He's got a degree in editing, and I, I learned by oh, wow. I said, look, can I just sit? He uses Premiere, and I said, can I just, this is at the end of the meeting, I said, do you mind if I hang around, just like watch you work? And he's like, no, that's fine. And an hour of that, and I knew exactly what I was doing from that point on. It was, it was really good. Yeah, so he, he sat there, he's going blah, 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 blah. Nothing interesting that we can write blog post about. And behind him, there's this huge picture of him. He stood next to Richard Curtis, uh, the writer, and he's holding Richard Curtis's Oscar. I'm like, do you think that might be the sort of thing that <laughs> I was always trying to impress upon him? Like you work in one of the sexiest industries there is to talk about. I'm I'm here schlepping out industrial adhesives, and you've got like actually like Hollywood stars you mates with and whatever. Amazing. Yeah, I think it's just having being curious. I think as well, it's not just being creative, but 
I think people can be creative without actually being curious and and to a certain extent vice versa, I suppose. But you have to kind of constantly say, why? Why does why? it do that? Why aren't you mm. talking about that? You know, the, the, the word why can unearth a lot of different things. Yeah, just keep keep poking and asking why, like a really annoying, sugar-hyped six-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was at a coaching day last week, and they were running through an exercise. Stephen Covey, have you heard of him? He's like yeah. a, a famous business writer. I quite like Stephen Covey's stuff because it's it's not it's got more humanity in it than, than a lot. But we went through a, pr- a process where you're supposed to get down to this, talk about your business, think about your business, you're supposed to get down to the point of what it is that you actually enjoy and what's the best thing about your business. And I went had it from several different angles, and the word I came up with each time was play, which doesn't neatly fit in with everything we're talking about. It's almost like I could have planned this conversation, but I was thinking in SEO, because the, the next thing is right now, now put that in your literature and tell the world that this is your greatest power, play. And I'm sort of still mulling it over because the world of SEO is either people going, oh, isn't it mystical and magical? Ooh, or it's people saying, look, this is just black and white stuff, and that's more the side I lean on. But the reality is it's the play of it that's fun. It's the taking a website and getting it to rank and doing amazing things. That's fun. It's play. It's enjoyable. I think the, the really interesting thing for me is to take the playfulness of something and the complexity of something and all of the different things that go into it and, and distill it down into one or, or the simplest way of communicating something possible, mm. which is kind of, you know, where design and branding comes in and where there's a crossover between content and, and layout and format and image and all of that sort of thing. But I think if you, the, the ultimate challenge with anything and, and the real enjoyment for me is to kind of really get involved in something, try and understand it boil it down to its constituent parts and then work out how to communicate the, the character and the energy of that thing in a really simple way. And that's the kind of the real, the real enjoying bit for me because I get to play and I get to pull things apart and I enjoy breaking things to understand how they work. Um, probably clients wouldn't enjoy if I walked into their factory. I, and I, bought, their machines, but. I bought a tease made from a, from a jumble sale when I was about 10 years old. And I brought this tease made home, which I think I probably paid about 10 pence for because it was the early 80s. And I remember my mum being thrilled that I bought a tease made. And so she, <laughs> she, she, came, she, she came back into my bedroom about an hour later and I'd taken it to pieces, <laughs> like just bits all over the floor. But. That's the fine line between a serial killer and someone with genuine curiosity is that it'll either be a tease made or a badger. <laughs> <laughs> right I'm, I'm going to end it on that note that, oh, god what a conclusion <laughs> oh james oh. thank you we, we haven't even said where how people can find you i'll put the link in the show note but it's brilliant yeah we'll do that thank you nice one <laughs>